Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to the Fick Focus Podcast, the Macro Matters Edition. I'm Ira Jersey, the Chief U.S. Interest Rate Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of Bloomberg LP. With me today, I go over to one of my colleagues in the Bloomberg Economics Department, Anna Wong, the Chief U.S. Economist. Anna, thanks for coming back on the Fick Focus Podcast. Happy to be here again. So it is now the day after the May Fed meeting. It's May the 5th. Um, On May the 4th, Jerome Powell uh, wound up, uh, I would say, I don't want to say spooking markets, but certainly impacting markets with some of his statements. And Anna and I will discuss discuss that meeting and what we think for the future of both uh, Federal Reserve uh, interest rate and, uh, and, and general monetary policy, as well as you know, maybe some expectations for what we can think about for the economy and, and its impact on the U.S. rates market. So, so Anna, the, the market took what uh, Jerome Powell said as dovish. Now, I think part of that reaction um, really had to do with, with significant positioning by a lot of hedge funds and other, in, uh, other investors thinking the Fed was going to go maybe 75 basis points in, at the June meeting uh, when, they, when he basically squashed that down very forcefully and, and very clearly that, they, that a 75 basis point hike for June was not on the table. Um, the market took that as dovish. You wound up getting a lot of algorithmic uh, trades and, and certainly stop loss trading where you saw uh, the yield curve actually, um, uh, actually bull flatten pretty significantly. And we took out half of a, uh, a hike in the terminal rate. Um, so, so, so Anna, let, let me say, ask you this. So firstly, did you hear what Jay Powell said as dovish, number one? And number two, what specifically did he say uh, that you can point to that was maybe um, you know, more dovish than, than expectations? Yeah, so you know, it's always in Bloomberg Economics baseline that the the Fed would uh, be hiking several fifty bips. So the part where Powell said fifty bips is now uh, is basically now the twenty five bips. That's consistent. That meets our expectation. But um, 75 bips in June is not in our baseline, and it's not even in our hawkish scenario risk analysis. Our hawkish scenario analysis sees 75 bips more coming towards the end of the year after the Fed realized that 50 bips, a series of 50 bips, is not enough. So I think what ended up being dovish is that uh, Powell took 75 basis point off the table in June, which is what the market was pricing. And the market took that as dovish. But it, I still think that the, the Powell, the, the risk of 75 bips later down the year towards the end is still there. It's just that the Fed is not there yet. So it's, it's just, uh, I think overall, the guidance of the path of uh, Fed rates meets basically the baseline, but the fact that he took off 75 bips, which is what 
half of the market's pricing for in June made it like a temporarily dovish. (laughs) Yeah. And and obviously, you know, you know, liquidity in the rates market is is has been pretty poor. So you get are getting these outsized moves, you know, 10 basis point moves have kind of replaced four basis points moves as the uh, as the norm these days. Um, Even as we speak, the 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 market's uh, basically taking back uh, a very large portion of uh, of yesterday's move, where you have the 10 year yield now up over 3% once again, after it had rallied over 10 basis points uh, right after uh, Jay, Jay Powell's comments. So, so Anna, let me talk about this because I think what you said is very telling. And, um, you, you know, in fairness, I, I've been a little bit behind where, where you are in terms of of, um, of how hawkish the Fed is going to ultimately be. And I, I do think that they're listening to Jay Powell's comments, particularly his prepared remarks that he made prior to the Q&A, um, I think was very telling in that he he did say, like, look, they, they are going to fight inflation and they are going to continue to do that until inflation gets, you know, down. You know, he he's, of course, a little bit coy, but but toward their target. Right. So so what what makes you think that, you know, that there's going to be a string of 50 basis point interest rate increases and then maybe a 75 later? But but let's just say that there's a 50 basis point increase at all the rest of the meetings this year. So it's five more meetings. That would mean another 250 basis points of hikes. You'd wind up getting above what they've said in the past is the neutral uh, interest rate of two and a half ish percent. So we'd get to three and a half percent, which, by the way, is currently being priced for the terminal rate. So 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 that path of interest rates, just 50 basis points every meeting this year would be faster than what the market's currently pricing. Um, it, what what makes you think that that's a, a distinct possibility and that that maybe they'll go even faster than that? Because I think there's a market opportunity there if uh, if people agree with your thinking. Yeah. So, uh, of course, Bloomberg Economics has models. And <laughs> one one big part of why we think that, you know, uh, that that that. Powell should hike five, uh, I mean, in t- a total of five 50 bits this year, which means we should see four more 50 bits this year, followed by a 25 bits is our, you know, Bloomberg economics rule, which is the alternative, our alternative to Taylor rule, um, which takes into account the new monetary framework. So it's, it's telling us that they should be getting to 3.25 by the end of this year. So that's a slightly faster path than what the market is pricing because the market sees us getting to 3.25 only well into next year. Uh, whereas our rule thinks that it should be like, yeah, consecutive meetings of 50 FIPS. Um, and, and then, but then I, I think that our baseline is still only three. Uh, you know, three, uh, two more 50 bips, so a total of three 50 bips this year, only because recently we've been seeing some signs of um, uh, disinflationary forces picking up and, you know, and getting ready for the jobs report tomorrow, we also start seeing uh, early, early signs of layoffs. Um, so uh, I think that that the demand in the U.S. is uh, is is adjusting very quickly. And uh, in fact, I'm expecting the CPI next week to surprise on the core CPI to surprise on the low side. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I think I think the three, three, a total of 350 VIPs this year is is fair. Um, there might be a, a, a rule of saying five, five. 50 bips in total. Uh, a hawkish scenario will be five more 50 bips and then followed by 70, uh, 75 bips. So w- w- I guess 
let, let's take your baseline into account, right? Which obviously you're, you're talking about maybe a, a slight moderation in, in core inflation measures. But then I look at, you know, oil prices back up to $111 a barrel as, as we speak this morning. Talk, talk to us about the, I guess, the risk case both ways, right? The, on on the downside risk for for inflation, you know, and and the economy, right? If we do start to see job losses in the second half of the year, you know, that may change the the Fed's thinking and and how quickly it's going to go. But then also, obviously, there's, you know, maybe it's not symmetric, but there is the the risk that you wind up with. Uh, with higher headline inflation for sure, then maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, core inflation measures might, you know, stabilize maybe at, at somewhat higher levels. And, and that's certainly something that that our work here at um, uh, in, at uh, the Bloomberg Intelligence Rates Department, mm-hmm. we've looked very closely at some of the core inflation measures. And it seems like those might be more stable and steady upwards of three, three and a half percent, which obviously would still probably worry the Fed. Um, so, so you know, talk about both of those cases, kind of the, 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 the high inflation, you know, hawk case, and then the lower inflation, maybe, you know, a little bit more dovish case. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that um, the, the probability of a dovish path and a hawkish path um, are, are actually both are almost very similar. Um, in terms of the probability for for our hawkish, uh, our, our, let me just start with the dovish scenario. Our dovish scenario is still uh, pretty hawkish by the market's expectations. So uh, in that case, suppose that China really slowed down and China account for um, you know half you know half of global commodities uh, demand in, in several categories of of, of metals. And uh, so the fact that oil now, right now is even is only at 110, even though Europe is closer to an oil embargo, um, which is like that's defying earlier calls of close to $200 per barrel that some people are saying. Um, um, so the China slowdown would be very disinflationary, and it's currently uh, looking really, really bad for them, like like worse in 2015. Um, the question is, uh, the question is whether China will put forward stimulus. And every time China does like infrastructure stimulus, it's uh, it will boost the prices of commodities. But my my Bloomberg Economics Asia colleague thinks that given that the source of their slowing growth is lockdown, so even if they send all these people to do construction the people wouldn't be forthcoming. And so a stimulus would not be effective. So anyway, all I'm saying is the China shock is something that people really need to watch because I think that if, uh, if, uh, if, 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 if their growth slows to like 1% this year, then I could see that U.S. growth could be shaved off by one percentage point. Inflation, uh, headline inflation would be down. And if we are in a situation where core PCE is only at 3.6 at the end of this year, then I could see that the Fed would only need to do uh, two more 50 bips from now on out and then follow only by 25 bips and then stopping next year at the terminal rate of about 3.2. So on the hawkish path, uh, well, so Assuming the same adverse supply shocks as as my dovish past, which which is that China lockdown, supply chain shocks, Russia oil embargo in Europe, but then in this case, if China um, uh, demand 
is still very strong because the stimulus actually works out. And uh, President Xi says we China's growth has to exceed U.S. growth, therefore unleash the stimulus. And on the U.S. side, our labor market continued to boom and um, falls or unemployment rate falls below three percent. We just had a insight piece out today that actually found that it's very easy for uh, unemployment rate to drop below three percent. In that case, the labor income as, uh, will be will be will be faster than the rate of inflation. In fact, if inflation does trend down to more uh, around five percent or four percent later this year, even if it's at five percent, it could be that real wage growth would become suddenly positive. Right now, it's been it's negative. It had been negative, but yeah. So w- later this year, you could have real wage growth being positive, plus overall aggregate labor income in U.S. being around like you know nine or ten percent annualized growth. In that case, global demand would be very strong, and inflation, the adverse inf- inflation shock, would translate to actually higher inflation. A uh, core C, uh, a core PCE inflation of closer to six percent. I would see the Fed needing to hike 50 bits for the rest of the year, and then ending the last one, uh, last meeting in the year with a 75 bits. And the terminal rate in that case would be a five, would be five percent in my mind next year. Yeah. So, so I guess let's talk a little bit about you know you you laid that out pretty succinctly. Um, certainly in that you know higher higher rate path scenario, then uh, you know that's a, a situation where things like two year notes could wind up. You know, closer to five percent, obviously, well over four percent. That would certainly be a significant sea change. You'd probably get a pretty significant, um, a pretty significant inversion of the yield curve. You know, maybe fifty basis points between the two year and the ten year, which um, um, you, you know is actually being priced right now for about a year year mm-hmm. forward. Um, you know, wh- where. Where is the risk, you think, from the the Fed going too far, right? So obviously, you know, everyone's talking about the yield curve. I've been noting that that the curve is pricing for recession sometime in late 23 into 2024, sometime in kind of 18-month uh, time horizon. Um, and then, of course, the Fed comes out and says, well, you know, if we look at our preferred measure, the yield curve, that actually is not showing anywhere near recession. But, of course, what they are looking at is a, um, a spot curve that – in in large part is going to change very significantly, particularly if they do hike on the path that you're talking about, where they get the three percent basically by the end of the year in terms of the uh, the, the Fed funds rate. So that that curve will be inverted as well, probably or or at least uh, incredibly yeah. flat. So yeah. so so yeah, there's a big so. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's a big difference between the two. So you know to talk talk I guess about you know what what how you see the economy shaping up longer term, right? So so you know you laid out that kind of the the hawk path and the hawkish path and the dovish path but you know what then happens you know second half of next year the fed will still be running off its balance sheet that might not stop even though they're having even though we wind up having a very significant economic slowdown you know maybe not a recession but but you know demand destruction right because that that's certainly what the fed's trying to do is is trying to slow demand to to quell inflation so so what happens then you know second half of next year into 2024 you know how, how is, is the fed going to be aggressive you think in terms of of easing monetary policy or do you think that you know they're going to you know just take back a couple of hikes uh, and um, and, and find a, a steady state at, at significantly higher rates than, than we've had over the last couple of years. 
Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is that um, our rule, the Bloomberg economics rule, would say that the Fed should be taking off a couple of basis, I mean, a couple of hikes off from the terminal rate next year or in 2024. Our, my, the, the dovish path, the hawkish path, our baseline all sees actually the Fed taking off a little bit towards. And where's the hawkish path? You would see them taking it off earlier because you know, in the hawkish path, they get to 5% of Fed funds rate very quickly, and then the economy slows rapidly. There will be a recession in 2024, and they will have to take it off very quickly, whereas the other path, soft lending would be achieved, and then, you know, uh, the Fed only needs to take a little bit off. So let, let's uh, let's talk about that that last thing that you said about the soft landing is achieved. Has the Federal Reserve, or in, indeed almost any other central bank around the world in, in the developed world, ever achieved a, a soft landing, meaning a significant slowdown in the economy after they after they hike interest rates that doesn't lead to a recession, even if it's a modest recession. I'm, I'm, I'm saying avoids recession, which has been a, something that Jay Powell and some other members of the Fed have have talked about for a long time, right? Is, is you know, we're, you know, we're not going to push us into a recession. And they, they always say that and it never seems to happen. Yeah, I mean, for for political reasons, right? For all sorts of reasons why the the Fed chair should not say we expect a recession, <laughs> you know, for self fulfilling crisis. So even if we, we they do think so, they're not about to come out and say so. But anyway, you you're right. Uh, the chance of uh, recession is very high, especially when uh, inflation is at this this level. But I do think that there's a a possibility. There's a narrow path. It's it's plausible. And I think Powell said so yesterday. He said there exists a path. Uh, 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 it's it's challenging, a very narrow path. So, um, so you know, we're in a unprecedented situation right now. This is a once in a century pandemic. And the reason we, we, we see the inflation situation right now is due to a lot of uh, reasons that require some kind of imagination a couple of years ago. And I think that the, the way that we the Fed could achieve soft lending would also be a situation w- which requires a lot of imagination. So let me uh, present an uh, imaginative scenario for you of, of how they can get to a soft landing. Um, so there actually is a path where um, you could have a, a slowdown in in job growth. That job growth every month would still be positive, but the unemployment rate could increase. So you know, there's this rule called the SOM rule that says every time unemployment rates increase by you know 0.5 percentage points over three months, there will be a recession that follows. But this this narrow path that I'm talking about is. Well, we could actually see unemployment rate increase, uh, even though job growth is, is positive, if a lot of people are coming back into the labor force. You know, currently we are 7 million people down from uh, uh, the pre-pandemic trend of labor force size. If there's this rapid uh, stream of workers coming in, then you could you know, you could have a situation which is actually very uh, uh, dampening for wage growth and unemployment rate could rise, but actually job growth is increasing. Um, so anyway, there is a narrow path. 
Great. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us, Anna. I, on behalf of Anna Wong, I've been Ira Jersey. This has been the Fic Focus Podcast. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to hit on the Fic Focus Podcast, and I'm sure a lot of our uh, shows coming up will wind up focusing on the Federal Reserve and other central banks globally, uh, but you can still contact us and IBS on the Bloomberg Terminal. Um, Anna, thanks very much for coming back on Fic Focus. Happy to be here. Thanks, Ira. Bye. And with that, until next time, be well.